Jeremy Sprinkle looks like a number two erase or a number two pencil. Does he really? Yes. Oh man. Huh. <laughs> See, I expected a white guy when you said that. Nope. <laughs> I want to get me a Jeremy Sprinkle jersey just because his last name is Sprinkle. What if I'm six foot five, two fifty two, looks like a number two pencil? What the fuck? Yeah, he's a monster. Get a different haircut. <laughs> <laughs> everybody it's tuesday november the 21st 2017 and this is the fourth and wrong podcast i'm rj and with me as always is keith say hi keith hi keith so this week was um i think i could play better at quarterback for a lot of these teams yeah we went from not knowing who any of them were to discovering who they are and based not off, liking it yeah and based off of their ability to uh throw to the wrong team yeah it was a cert- it was certainly an in- interesting week for quarterback play uh, on two fronts. We, we, we see who you are now, Nate Peterman. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, we do. We know now. Yeah. His uh, college numbers much better. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was on two fronts too because we have a bunch of like terrible quarterback play and then a bunch of really good quarterback play and not a lot. Not a lot existed in that gray area. We do have some, but it was there's a vast majority were either on one one side or the other of the ballpark. It was surprisingly polarized this week. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yep. And the I mean the first game of the week is pretty much a perfect example of that. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh let's just start it off. Uh it was Tennessee and Pittsburgh and boy howdy. Could the, those the, <laughs> those ratios could not be any more opposite. <laughs> Some of these numbers are really close and make sense, like both of them throwing 66% with Marcus Mariota going 22 for 33 and Roethlisberger going 30 for 45. Yeah. Uh, Mariota throwing for 306 yards, Roethlisberger throwing for 299. Uh, but then there's the differences, like one touchdown to four and four interceptions to zero. <laughs> makes a difference yeah it makes a pretty significant difference yeah this was one of those games where like pittsburgh did so well at containing mariota i mean mariota got sacked five times and he was hit uh, every he was only hit five times so like there was a lot of pressure on him but every single time they got to the quarterback he was going down that mariota there was never a point in time where he really got comfortable and moving around in the pocket and there was never a point in time where the Steelers defense gave him the opportunity to move outside of the pocket and extend the play. So he was throwing bad passes instead, instead of, you know, throwing the ball away or doing something smart with it. I'm just going to throw it to the other guys. It was interesting to see that from Mariota, though, because Mariota is one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league. He's known in the NFL over the past couple of seasons he's been playing as, you know, he doesn't turn, he takes care of the ball very well. He's efficient passer and he's, you know, he's quick. He can uh, extend the play they the Pittsburgh's defense did a good job at shutting down all three of those factors and making Mariota be a stand-up pocket passer and it showed a lot of chinks in his armor 
especially because he was getting no support from the running the running game whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the entire game. I just watched the highlights of it. Yeah. Uh, and most of that was Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown <laughs> going absolutely off. Oh, yeah. That's actually specifically what I wrote down. A.B. went off. This was another one of those breakout games for Antonio Brown where he had like a ridiculous circus catch. You saw the catch where he pretty much caught oh. it off of his helmet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like an asshole. Uh, but one thing I noticed pretty significantly with uh, the Steelers is they operated out of the no huddle for like most of the game, which is something Ben Roethlisberger evidently has been asking to do. He's like, you know, I like the freedom of the no huddle. And um, it, it was a pace of play that Tennessee obviously was severely overwhelmed. This is the Pittsburgh Steelers that we were told were going to exist at the beginning of the season, the super ridiculous high-powered offense that puts up 30, 40 points a game. And that 40 points was, you know, straight up offensive 40 points. There was no defense contributing, although the defense did contribute. But there was only one one or two of the interceptions that Mariota threw gave Pittsburgh short field. Beyond that, it was relatively relegated to, you know, Pittsburgh moving the ball down the field at a pretty accelerated pace. And then when the ball came over to the Tennessee side, put the defense, defense put great pressure on Tennessee and forced them to make a lot of mistakes and you just you can't recover against a team like Pittsburgh when you turn the ball over four times absolutely and then of course when Antonio Brown has a day like that that's also hard to recover from too but you know Juju Smith-Schuster he's still got his yardage in there I'm still keeping an eye on him again only only watching highlights and stuff you can't really see what every target looked like so not sure if he had some drops on there if those were just a bunch of things that were yeah, past him. It wasn't a crazy. It wasn't a crazy good game for Big Ben. You yeah. know, he he wasn't he wasn't. It was efficient. You know. Yeah, I mean the passing yards were good. Yeah, the numbers were the numbers looked good on paper, but he was only averaging like six yards per attempt, and he threw the ball almost fifty times in one game. You know, so it was very much like, you know, short gain here, short gain here, short gain here, but we're no huddling. So that's 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 pretty much what that's the kind of paperwork or the kind of outcome you're going to see in a no huddle is they're not going to set up big stretch plays every single time they go up for a no huddle they're going to keep punching them it's it's hitting them with the jab you know hit them with the jab hit them with the jab and then antonio brown goes down for 41 yards you know it's the jabs and body blow mentality of play and when you're moving the ball that quickly and you're getting you know six yards after six after six after six and it's first down after first down after first down at that pace you're going to wear down a defense yeah, absolutely. So we talked about Tennessee and Pittsburgh. So the only thing we're missing is Tigers because we've got Lions and Bears, oh my. <laughs> oh my, indeed. This this is one of those games where it kind of surprised me how close it was. This is why Matt Stafford is the highest paid quarterback in the league. I didn't say it this time. <laughs> I no, mean, I've... I'm... There's probably yeah. There's probably a good just, point. It probably would have it. it. It would have been said probably. <laughs> yeah, Mitch Trubisky. They're really really letting him off the leash, to where he's playing full games, having a full workload of passing attempts. And as far as his accuracy goes, he wasn't an inefficient passer. But you can tell just by watching the game and even watching the highlights. They're they're keeping it simple for him. You know. Yeah, definitely. Two yards here, three yards here, five yards here, ten yards here. His longest his longest completion downrange was for was for twenty two yards. 
so we're not doing anything stellar. The big thing that's keeping Chicago in in these games is Jordan Howard. When you're running for eight yards an attempt for over 120 yards, you had a big breakout run for 50 yards. Even if that 50-yard run didn't occur, we're still talking about 70, 75 yards on 14 attempts. If they would have kept feeding him the ball, he could have easily ran for 150, 160 yards. Right, and again, I think the number of carries it took him to get there is super important because when you've got that kind of efficiency and that kind of reliability to just produce a first down when you need it, yep. you know. You can continue to take weight off your rookie quarterback. <laughs> right, exactly. Which is super important with the Bears right now. I think the biggest disappointment for this game was the of how it ended because the game itself was it stayed competitive. Both teams were pretty much playing whistle to whistle. Uh, both defenses played relatively well. It was a about an average excursion for the two. Chicago was able to put a lot more pressure on Matthew Stafford than the other way around. But Chicago's kind of known for their pass rush. Their pass rush is very under the radar because they're not winning a lot of football games. But they have one of, they have one of the better pass rushes in the league and that's pretty important when you're going up against the highest paid quarterback in the league. I said fair. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> uh to be fair the the Lions did get on the board first uh by scoring a defensive uh, touchdown off of a fumble recovery so yeah they doing. yeah the the one of one of the i think it was the only sack on mitch trubisky yeah it was the only sack on mitch trubisky was a strip sack yes. and they they scooped they scooped slammed it but the ending of the game was relatively disappointing considering how competitive these teams were going with uh chicago missing a connor barth missing a pretty important field goal as in to tie the game to send it yeah. to overtime <laughs> yeah and i think the range was 48 or 49 yards something like that it was over 40 yards evidently connor barth is one of the worst kickers in the league right now for kicks over 40 yards so if oh, anyone awesome. if anyone was gonna do it it was going to be him but that was literally the only discrepancy in scoring between the two teams is that one field goal Every other stat line is equal across the across the board. But I like I like seeing Mitchell Trubisky out there and them giving him a rel a, a relatively full workload because they got to see what they got and you committed to starting him. So I'm not saying or I'm not seeing anything that would lead me to believe that he won't bounce back and have a better season next year. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you think he needs the most? Is it a player? Uh, is it just time? Uh, I think he needs development. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky only had one full season in the NCAA as a starter. He redshirted and sat for most of his NCAA career. He had one season as a starter, went 9-4 and four with Carolina, and then declared for the draft. As far as having a lot of time running what could essentially be equated to like a full-speed spread offense, uh, he just doesn't have it. And that was a lot of the worries that they had with him in the draft. So I think part of it is his development, and part of it is... Also, the receiving core. You know, Chicago's receiving core is stripped in comparison to what it used to be. And I've been I've been saying it for weeks about Chicago and Mitch Trubisky. Is I feel like he would have more success if he had more confident receivers around him. But I don't think the level of success he would be having would be much better than what we're seeing right now. For what he has around him, I think he's playing fine. Especially if you can lean on that running game the way they can with Jordan Howard in the backfield. Okay. Yep. And hell, even Mitch Trubisky was able to clip off six carries for fifty yards. Like, I mean, the uh, dude, yeah. the dude, the dude's an athlete. So if if anything, that equates to, 
you know, 200 and almost 240 or 240 yards per, from scrimmage. Yeah, and quarterbacks that are that athletic, it, they're so fucking difficult to cover. They're so difficult to contain. Yeah. You know, if 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 you miss a single tackle and there's a gap, you know, and the pocket's collapsing and you miss the sack and they're able to roll out and all that fun stuff, you know, it's it's a lot different than or say like- or how many times have we seen somebody just step up in the pocket and take off? Right. Yeah, just shoot the A-gap in the pocket or something like that. You know, it's a lot different than containing Matt Stafford, who is pretty much a stand-in-the-pocket, you know, a very prototypical pocket passer. Okay, let's let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Let's talk about Jacksonville and the Cleveland Browns. Keith. <sighs> Well, I okay. Um, I'm actually much more willing to talk about this game because I know you had it worse this week. So here's some things that I noticed. I have some notes. <laughs> uh, Cleveland's defense still looks really good. Leonard Fournette has been the only rusher, the only single rusher in the league that has been able to put up over 100 yards on Cleveland. There was some good plays that were made on Cleveland's side, but it's the inability to move the ball and turnovers. I say it every week every week turnovers kill you and i mean we just have a super young team you know it's the youngest team in the nfl it was pretty much set up to fail over the past two seasons because of the rebuilding structure we're going through right now but i thought this was one of those games where if it was going to happen you know the cleveland win this was going to be it because yes jacksonville has a really good defense but their offense is kind of but leonard fournette is probably the best thing going for him besides that blake bortles is not is not a good quarterback. I mean, and, Marquise Lee can put up a hundred yards if oh, he, sh- if he gets the right looks. Oh sure, and it's not like Jacksonville hasn't done it. But when Jacksonville isn't ticking on all those cylinders, which they've done very few times this season, you know they have they have like a couple of blowout wins and then like really close wins and then those three losses. You know this could have been one of those games where it, all we had to do was keep it close, and we were doing that. We're keeping it close. We're putting ourselves in a position to be competitive and win the football game and then turnovers and fumbles and all that fun stuff. I was going to say, it looks like a lot of times you had several chances to get your, get turnovers of your own and they just didn't quite come together. Yeah. There was, there was a couple of plays where there was the possibility to like, there was one tipped pass that I remember pretty distinctly. Uh, there was a couple of opportunities to get in and really make a play at the ball to strip the ball away from Blake Bortles or, you know, the ball carrier and stuff like that. I mean, the, the pass rush stayed pretty consistent on on Blake Bortles. You know, we had two sacks and five, five hits, and I think there was like nine or ten hurries. So a third of the time, a little more than a third of the time, Blake Bortles dropped back, there was pressure. Mm-hmm. And... They were just unable to capitalize on that pressure. The biggest thing that really killed us was, especially towards later of the game, is once again, you know, Deshaun Kaiser red zone interception happens every fucking week now, so I'm tired of talking about it. But Deshaun Kaiser fumbled the ball three times, so he was responsible for five of our seven turnovers, or five of our six turnovers. And one of those was a strip sack touchdown that pretty much ended the game. Right. This this game was really sour for me. It was really defeating and deflating because it was it was another one of those games where there was absolutely no reason why we couldn't have been competitive in it and we were for a good bit of the game but we just we don't have the right set pieces in place 
and turnovers will kill you. And um, if I have to say that any more times, I'll probably go fucking crazy. <laughs> okay, so what are we up to now? Because the, the thing we were going to try and do this week was keep track of all of the interceptions. Uh, there weren't any in the Lions-Bears game, but I think there was this takes us four, up to six. Yeah, this will take us up to six. So, so far we're up to six interceptions in three games, so we're averaging three interceptions a game. The or averaging two interceptions a game, excuse me. The positive, because there was a positive for this game. Turnovers aside, fucking shitty fucking offense aside, not having a lot of superstars on the field aside, Corey Coleman's back. My God, we got a receiver. <laughs> and he put up a pretty, I would say, I wouldn't call it impressive, but a really, really good stat line from somebody that just got off of IR. A hey, week Keith, ago. Look, your running back isn't your best receiver. Right, because our best receiver's hand's not broken anymore. <laughs> now, if only our running back could actually, you know, running back the ball, that'd be cool. That would be helpful. Yeah, Isaiah Crowell held to under two yards a clip, and Duke Johnson only getting the ball twice. I don't know what the fuck's going on in Cleveland. I just know i got to sit here and watch it burn, and it pains me. Perfect record. Yeah, fucking, dude, there's already somebody in Cleveland that's putting in that had put in the city request to have the perfect season parade. <laughs> and this was a thing that happened last year. It was about the same time of the season where somebody had put in for the permits to have a perfect season parade in Cleveland. And so they they resubmitted those permit papers and called it perfect season parade 2.0. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so it's like, well, at least they're being quote-unquote lighthearted about it. Let's move on to uh, the Ravens versus the Packers. Oh, Tay. And more interceptions. I think that brings us up to 10 total. Uh, yeah, because that's, uh, that's one from Joe Flacco and three from Brett Hundley. Hey, I'm learning who this guy is. I remember him from last week. <laughs> He's still bad. Yes, I'll say I mean, that. At least they won last week. Uh, but this week, uh, not, not so much. Not so much. Not only did they not win, they did it in a very convincing fashion. Hey, you know who else likes uh, throwing end zone interceptions? So uh, it's that guy Brett Hundley. Brett hey, Hundley. I remember him. <laughs> but when he wasn't throwing red zone interceptions, he was loved throwing it to Devontae Adams. Well, when he wasn't throwing red zone interceptions on the second drive, he was throwing interceptions elsewhere, uh, which actually led to the Ravens getting on the board with their first three points afterwards. And from then on nice. out, the story of the game was pretty much the Ravens just keep taking it away. Yeah, the Ravens defense did Ravens defense stuff. Yeah, it's still they're still one of those defenses in the AFC is like they're sneaky good. And when they're ticking, you're going to see outcomes like this. If only the offense could get with the program. Mm-hmm. You know, but, Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco, super efficient, not super impressive. Well, I was going to say, though, Mike Wallace with one of the sillier uh, touchdown receptions I've ever seen. Did you see it? Um. Oh yeah, 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 I know which one you're talking about. Though, um, um, where he was like, it basically drops in a crease right, between him drops, and the defender. Right, drops in that crease between him and the defender, with the second defender closing in on him. It pretty much looked like Joe Flacco threw it straight up in the air, and it came straight down. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty silly. And he caught it like with his like arm pressed against 
the defender's body and stuff. It was yeah, yeah it, was, it was really goofy looking. Super impressive though. The pressure that was put on Brett Hundley also tells a story of what was going wrong in this game. He was hit. He was sacked six times, hit eleven times, pressure, pressured like fifteen times. So that's a good. That's that's almost half. Almost half of the times he dropped back, he had a he had a pressure in his face. It's too many times. That's too many times, and with with that defense and that secondary, that's how you're going to create you're going to create defensive plays that way. And we we definitely can't take anything away from Baltimore's defense at this point in the season because every single time they've showed up to play like this, Baltimore has done really well. Yeah. Like I said, the offense needs to get with the program if they're going to be competitive in the AFC. But hasn't that kind of also always been the way? I mean, for the most part, sure. But I've always seen Joe Flacco as overrated, but he's never, I've never seen him like this contained. It's almost like the coaching staff in Baltimore just want Joe Flacco to be out there and just manage the game. Or he's too afraid to, I don't know, push the ball down the field the way he tried or the way he used to. Maybe he's not confident confident in his weapons because he had to trade St- Steve Smith for Jeremy Macklin. <laughs> So I don't really know what's going on there, but at least when Joe Flacco had the people around him, you know, Joe Flacco is very much one of those quarterbacks where the players around him make him look better. That's true. Yeah. And that's, that's how he won a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. The best, best defense in the league. And he had offensive weapons that he could share the load with. Hey, can you run real fast that way? Great. I'm, I'm going to put it in the air. So yeah. just keep Do going. It. Just keep going. Do and then, it. And then, yeah, he had, like, Ray Rice behind him. Yep. But, yeah, basically, the Ravens just kind of kept taking it away from the Packers, kept putting up points, mm-hmm. and the Packers just never really all the way got their shit together. I mean, Devontae Adams put up 126 yards receiving. Oh, like I Green said, when, when he wasn't throwing picks, he was certainly throwing to Devontae Adams. Uh, haha, Clinton Dix also had a pick on Joe Flacco. Uh, that shut down a drive inside the five-yard line, so it was kind of going both ways to a certain degree. So Green Bay was certainly making some plays, but again, another game where turnovers are just absolutely killer. Yeah, and when you and, keep doing it, it's oh yeah, bad. yeah, you can't say they weren't moving the ball. They had almost they had over 400 yards of offense. Right. You just gotta finish. All right. Up next, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's Buccaneers. Versus Jay Cutler's Miami Dolphins. For a little bit. For a little bit. And then it was Matt Moore's Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Smoking Jay goes down with an injury. And let's uh, let's put three more on the board. Yep. Let me get, let me notate. We're up to thirteen. Up to thirteen. Because Jay Cutler certainly had a uh, he had a rough day. He had a J day. Yep. Throw three picks and then get injured and then backup quarterback comes out and kind of reminds people why they were kind of high on Matt Moore when Brian Tannehill got injured. Oh, did he act, did Jay Cutler actually get injured? Yeah, he got a concussion. Ah, oh, of course. Yeah. Cuz what else? He loves those. Uh, absolutely. Which is funny cuz he never got technically never got sacked. <laughs> he was hit uh, a couple of times, but he never got sacked. So I missed the hit so I don't know if it even occurred on the pass rush. Like maybe he was trying to go to the sideline and you know light up a cigarette and he accidentally tripped over the bench or something. That would be a very Jay thing to do. So <laughs> I oh, wouldn't or, put it or past he him. could he, he could go for the full Kevin Cobb and slip on a bath mat. There you go. The huge difference in this game was the defensive touchdown. Yes. 
because efficiency, especially once Jay Cutler left the game, you know, efficiency on offense on both sides of the ball were about even. The air attack on Miami side was obviously more more focused on those on those key playmakers, while Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of oh. took the more, more the merrier route. I don't. Well, I mean, what makes you say it was a focus on them? The 180 yards or the 95 yards? Uh, I think it was the 207, almost 270 yards between two people. Yeah, I think that's definitely a a, a key clue to my assumption. It's insane. Yeah, <laughs> like nuts, right? Hi, <laughs> seven catches for 180 yards. Like whoever had Kenny Stills on their fantasy roster as a sleeper i hope you started him yeah right <laughs> no, I, I, I benched him for kelvin benjamin big week nathan peterman <laughs> what else uh another end zone pick in this game because that was one of the reoccurring themes i saw along with uh games ending in kicks one way sure. or another sure miami did tie the game up 20 to 20 with three minutes left and then Gave up 10 points in the most bizarre way possible, I think. I've never seen it happen like that, so uh, let the viewers at home know. I was going to say, yeah, for anybody who didn't see it, um, Miami uh, gives up three points to Tampa Bay. And then on the kickoff from Tampa Bay to Miami, they just start doing, you know, the playground, you know, bullshit. Just like back, you know, lateraling it to each other. Yep. And That's they some schoolyard bullshit. They pass it so far back, they end up in their own end zone and then lose it, and then it's recovered. So the game is over, but Tampa Bay is kicking an extra point when they're already up nine points. Yeah. So that's pretty silly. I was like, like, three minutes, that seems really fast to score ten points. I wonder how they did that. That's how. Let's go ahead like, and notch that on uh, the list of unsuccessful desperation lateral plays right there. Also, really, they decided to run up the score with, like, three minutes left instead of just being safe and kneeling? That seems kind of... They literally dickish. they literally couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah. Miami pretty much scored that touchdown for them. All they had to do was fall on the ball. One thing I will say about Dolphins, though, is it was good to see them featuring... It was good to see them having success with a running back that isn't Jay Ajayi because I was very worried about that as far as shipping off your feature back to another team because he, I don't know, talked too much or whatever. His stand-in had some decent production, and for a game that was so tight for so long, I'm surprised he didn't get more carries, but 78 yards on 10 carries ain't teabag. Well, yeah, I mean, but Miami spent most of the game playing from behind, which is probably why you saw so many more passes. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And and Matt Moore, he was slinging the ball very well. Right. I think I think it'll be a nice departure for Miami having Jay Cutler on the bench depending on how long he's in concussion protocol if Matt Moore can put together put together a complete game like the one he had against Tampa Bay. Meanwhile on the other side we have the steadiest arm in the game Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Fitz well, that, it was definitely a Fitz magic night. Little little over 250 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So good. that's a pretty good it's a that's a pretty good day for him. Yeah, yep, pretty good good, good production. Yep, I've seen I've seen him have a Jay Cutler day, but that was definitely a Fitzmagic type night. So, uh, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> he did play for Buffalo at one point, didn't he? 
uh, yeah, a couple stops ago. All right, moving on. Something that Keith will inevitably want to make fun of me for something about uh, the Rams and the Vikings. Where is your god now? I never said that there was one. I know. Ah, uh, uh, the, the Rams. Just like, okay, so this was the game that I think I watched like the first half of. Uh-huh. So basically I saw the score tied going into the half. Uh-huh. And then I stopped watching, uh, at which point apparently Minnesota finally decided to put points on the board. And points they did. After what, yeah, yeah, boring-ass game pretty much. Yep. Up until then. Yeah, up until that point. You know, I've never seen a defense shut down Todd Gurley the way he was shut down, which yeah. was pretty much what you would have to do to beat the Rams. Because Jared Goff had a, I mean, slightly underperforming his standard body of work that we've grown accustomed to over the past several weeks. But right. it wasn't a necessarily terrible game. He didn't really find the end zone ever. But he had no help from the running game whatsoever. Like, I, that was obviously Minnesota's game plan was if you, if you kill Todd Gurley, the rest will fall. It did seem like their linebackers were particularly keyed in. That's the way you got a game plan for a team like that. You know, they're... Jared Goff has been playing well, but he's still young. Make him have to beat you. Make the sophomore quarterback, the sophomore relatively unproven quarterback, beat one of the best defenses in the NFL. Take away the running game and make that man play. And it worked. And on the flip side, we've got Case Keenum, who continues to play relatively well. Yeah, Case Keenum is killing it in this system. Uh, If Minnesota changes any of their quarterback decisions at any point in time, I don't care how healthy Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, (laughs) it fucking... Dumb, now, dumb now decision. On, now you're on board with what I was saying last week. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was on the finchish last week. Now I'm 100 percent sold. Like <laughs> you, play, you play that hot hand. Yeah, yeah, I you play the hot hand exactly. You know, Case Keenum. I mean, fuck, Teddy Bridgewater's never even played in this system before, so that just wouldn't be a good idea. Like they have a new coach and a new offensive coordinator. He got injured two seasons ago. Like just let Case Keenum figure it, finish it out. And Case Keenum is playing well and he's playing efficiently. And the running game helped. Latavius Murray had a good night, two touchdowns off of 95 yards. And then Adam Thielen. Yep, I was gonna say and. <laughs> Let Adam Thielen keep being ridiculous every yeah, week. Yeah, still trying to figure out who that guy is, but we fucking know now. Yeah. Uh, I, I will still stand by my statement last last week where he reminds me of a Edelman Amendola type, just taller, because his route running in that Rams game was sick. Like, he's easily probably one of the best route runners I've seen play in the league. I, yeah. haven't, seen, I haven't seen that much of him, so I can't really speak to it, unfortunately. Like, like he's just tight. He creates separation with his route running. Like he's bigger, but he's not a huge running back. So, or a huge wide receiver. So it's not like he's going to be bodying people like you know Megatron could. Right. That that extra couple inches gives him an an advantage when he has to go up and get a ball. But he's not going to overpower a cornerback the way a bigger receiver would. So he's he creates the separation and and with with the way he's moving and the way he's progressing through the through the route. And it definitely shows when he keeps having these 100-plus yard games. Like, he's – this is – we're going into week 12. The Vikings still have six games left, and he's sitting at about 900 yards receiving. So if he's on pace for like a 1,300, 1,400-yard season, and that's ridiculous. That's pretty silly. Yeah, for a guy that his, we didn't his, even know at the beginning of the season. <laughs> who's catching passes from Case Keenum. Right. You know, we're talking about 
what was expecting to be a very underwhelming offense because you know no true blue starting quarterback Sam Bradford's down Teddy Bridgewater's down we got Case Keenum who sucked in LA I bet you this was really vilifying for L or not vilifying I bet you this was really satisfying for Case Keenum it was on my list of things yeah to put up to put up that kind of game against his former team against the quarterback that he lost his job to but if if Minnesota keeps playing like this, man, there's no reason why they can't make a serious run at the NFC, especially with Green Bay not having a Aaron and them falling to five and five. That's true. Their biggest competition right now to stay ahead in the North is Detroit, and Detroit's just so inconsistent. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised by Minnesota winning this game when I saw the final score because mm-hmm. even looking at my notes that I have, because I was taking them as I was watching the game, it's like the Rams looked good early. They were the first ones to get on the board. Gurley got in the end zone with his 11th touchdown of the season, mm-hmm. uh, which is the highest, which also is his new career high. Yeah. Uh, and he's got, you know, what, six games left? Mm. You know, kind of like you were saying about Thielen. Yeah. Uh, Robert Woods got a catch. Sammy Watkins got a catch. Cooper Cup got a catch all on the drive to get there. Mm-hmm. So everything was kind of clicking on that first drive. And then. After that, it just seemingly completely stalled out. Absolutely, and I think that's you know that's the kind of methodical movement we're kind of used to seeing the Rams do. You know, they have three really good wide receivers. They have one of the best running backs in the league. You know, let Todd Gurley carry the ball the way he's going to. Spread the ball around to your receivers. Get down quick. Score. And then I don't know. The bottom just fell out. You know, <laughs> uh, the first time Minnesota's defense was able to get their hands on them, they just they didn't didn't play the the same for the rest of the game. I think it's also important to note though that the score could have been higher for Minnesota because Kai Forbath missed two field goals. Right. So they scored a total of they had the opportunity to score a total of like six times and only scored on four attempts in the red zone. So it, you kind of have to dig into it a little bit to really see how efficiently the Vikings were moving the ball downfield. Seemingly the Rams just ran into a good defense with some apparently very good corners. Oh yeah. What we've been pointing out all season is Jerry Goff is still only in his second season and now he's playing a lot better. That doesn't mean that he can't still play down to where he was last year. Right. uh, If faced with the proper coverage on the other side. Right. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. So now uh, we're at 13 interceptions. Just make sure I have my note right. Uh, I, th- I think so. Okay. Yeah, because there were no more this game. Right. Um, one, one final note that I think is interesting is Adam Thielen got his 15th catch uh, of the season for 20 yards or more. Jesus. Which he leads the league in. Oh, yeah. So it's another – it's one of those just, you know, hey, you want to talk about big explosive players – who gets stuff done for you. There you go. Absolutely. No, that's that's unreal. And it's amazing that he flew under the radar for so long. But when you have like a, what was it last week, like a 180-yard game or some point like that? He Something had like, like that. Yeah, like some ridiculous, almost 200-yard game. People start talking when you put up numbers like that. All right, so let's move on to the Washington Redskins and the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> you got to say it like that. The New Orleans Saints. New Orleans no, no. The Nolans. Nolans Saints. Nolans. Who dat? Who dat? Um, uh, that Drew Brees. That be Drew Brees? That be Drew Brees doing I a think, Drew Brees game. I think that be Mark Ingram. Yeah. Mark Ingram certainly didn't hurt anything. <laughs> 
Well, only the opponents. <laughs> Hurt their feelings. Ah, 12 yards of carry, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And what's funny is he, if you take away his long run, which you know I like to do, yeah, you know he was still just under 10 yards of carry. Right. That's nuts. That's, yeah. Uh, so while it's not much, we'll add one more to the total. Yep, so we're up to 14 interceptions this week. Dang. Oh, trust me, there's more coming. Oh, absolutely. We got we got some big sleepers uh, in the <laughs> later games. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Yep. Uh, I think this game was really basic. To uh, Yeah. Uh, Drew Brees did Drew Brees stuff. Mark Ingram certainly didn't hurt anything. Washington did what they could to stay competitive. I think moving on from... I think the adjustments and moving on from Terrell Pryor and stuff in... Washington's receiving core is definitely benefiting them. Now they have no choice because Terrell Pryor is officially injured. But Washington's running game was able to stay consistent. Kirk Cousins had a good game. I mean, no... his wide receivers' averages were pretty incredible, honestly. Yeah, no, it was it was a back-and-forth shootout between two teams that one could say you would almost expect these teams to be capable of doing. So it's... It's not anything. It's not un, unreasonable to think that this was a Saints Redskins game when we're totally used to seeing the Saints do it, and this is something we have seen the Redskins do when Kirk Cousins really gets on, and the and the running game can help. We're just not used to seeing these names being responsible for it on Washington's receiving core because I'm used to saying like you know Sean Jackson, <laughs> right, and those kind of guys. But Josh Doxson, don't know him very well, but we're learning your name, bud. Hey, that then, Vernon Davis is a guy. Yep, and Vernon Davis, you know, the fucking, the ageless wonder. I don't know who Jeremy Sprinkle is, but. Oh, I don't know who this Samaje Purine is. Jer- Jeremy Sprinkle's got a hell of a last name, though. <laughs> <laughs> Killing me. Yeah. Alvin Kamara. Anyways. <laughs> Alvin Kamara continuing to be what Kareem Hunt should still be being. Whatever. I'm not bitter. <laughs> like I had all intents purposes like picking up Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team and somebody just beat me to it and uh-huh. like we both we both put in a waiver for him but because that team had lost and I had won they they won the waiver <laughs> so whatever yeah way to go winning yeah like how dare I be 8 and 2 in my fantasy league why don't you be like the browns because somebody has to win something <laughs> Speaking of somebody winning something, what the hell are the Giants doing beating the Chiefs? What the and hell are the Chiefs only kicking field goals for? In one of the worst games I've ever seen. Literally one of the worst games I've ever watched. Like this is this is right up there with the Cleveland Browns Buffalo Bills like field goal ice bowl from like 5 or 6 years ago. It's just like so mediocre everywhere. Yep. Let me go ahead and uh, jot down three more turnovers. One of which was thrown by Travis Kelsey. Why are we letting him throw the ball? Uh, that's that's four turnovers. Shane Vereen also had one. Why are we letting these people throw the ball? <laughs> because remember, in this game, oh, both of yeah. the trick plays. Both of the trick plays were picks. Yeah. Interceptions. Jesus. So we'll add, we'll add four to the total there. Fucking monsters. Uh, yep. So now we're up to 18. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a good game. Tyree Kill did Tyree Kill stuff. So we're already up to definitely more than one per game. Yes, definitely. The I I still find it difficulty to difficult to believe that the Kansas City Chiefs were unable to score anything else 
but a field goal on the fucking Giants. Um, yeah, <sighs> it's definitely surprising. Like, we're talking about one of the more high-powered offenses in the NFL, playing one of the most struggling defenses in the NFL. And three field goals later, they catch in that fat L. And the fact that the Giants were the only pers- only team in this game to score a touchdown. And then Aldrich Rosas missed the extra point because bum kicking. Yo, anybody could win the AFC West at this point. Yeah, it's officially a toss-up. Like, it, there is enough time left in the schedule for L.A., for the Chargers and Oakland and even Denver somehow to Yo, make a serious push for the AFC West. The Chargers are only two games behind in the AFC West and therefore in six. Yep, so is Oakland. Oakland is two games behind and therefore in six. What the hell? Yep, and Denver's only fucking three games behind. Yep. <laughs> like All right, anyways, it, let's get back to talking about this game as much as we can. I don't I don't, I don't have to. much intelligible to say about it. Uh, yeah, like pretty much like this game was really terrible to watch, but I think what's more important to take away from this game is are the Chiefs choking away their season? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, they haven't looked very good. <laughs> they're thankfully for them at least they're in a situation where they've got some room to lose games just because of the division that they're in. But they've you know. lost four of their last five. Well, at least to get into the playoffs, they don't have to be faster than the whole league. They just have to be faster than these guys. Yeah, They just have to be faster than Oakland. Again, b- bear in mind, uh, not so long ago, Carolina limped into the playoffs 7-8-1. and one. Yeah, that was recent history, wasn't it? That was not that was not that long ago. Yeah, I think that was like 2014, something like that. Imagine if they would have won that wild card game. It would have been madness. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think things are super crazy terrible for the Chiefs right now, but they really need to figure out something. I mean, four of their last five, one of I... which was against a divisional opponent. So, at best you can now split the series with a team that was be- split the series with a team that is, you know, can make a conf- you can make a decent argument as now back competitive in your division not a good look i would argue that the kansas city chiefs definitely still have the best shot to win their division because if kareem hunt can bounce back and they can just get a little bit going on offense they will remain competitive i feel like all the other teams have proven that they have a lot further to go to actually be competitive Denver straight up needs a quarterback. Phillip Rivers needs some extra weapons. Mm. And the Raiders are just the Raiders are just not playing up to their potential. Yeah, I I can agree with those. Uh minus the whole weapons thing. I think the Chargers this week probably or last week probably made a pretty convincing argument to the otherwise. Well, we'll have to wait to talk about that for one more game. (laughs) So moving on, we've got the Cardinals versus the Texans. Uh another game where I hope you didn't come to see the starting quarterbacks. Because they certainly were not there. Nope. Side note, we're up to 21 interceptions. Yeah. At this point, at least we know who Blaine Gabbert and Tom Savage are. But, yeah, three three more interceptions. Put them on the board. Ding. Ding. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Peterson, I don't know what's going on with that guy. So I was going to ask earlier at this point, is the Adrian Peterson trade pretty much a win-win for everybody? You know, maybe this game removed from that equation. Uh huh. You know, the Saints have bounced back and have had 
an incredible running output by Mark Ingram. Adrian Peterson is generally doing well with Arizona. Sure. He's at least being featured the way he wants to be featured. Everything after that is like, you know, that's up to him. So I think at this point that was a good overall trade for everybody. Larry sure. Fitzgerald pretty much doing what he does. He's going to get his. That's just that's just a given. He's going to get his. But, yeah, not, not a, pretty much no help from the running game, whereas Houston was able to deliver pretty much everywhere still. Sure. Yeah. Though Blaine Gabbert did put up three passing touchdowns. So. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Hopkins had a pretty impressive receiving touchdown. Dante Foreman was still a very solid threat from the backfield. They didn't really feature him that much, as much as you would think, because you know they they're obviously their feature back is Lamar Miller. They want to give Lamar Miller as many touches as they can. But when your second back in the backfield's averaging six seven yards a carry, you know why not feature that guy a little bit more? He also has two touchdowns, so that's cool. But it's not like it made any discernible difference. Houston still won. Patrick Peterson had a pretty impressive interception, which always is satisfying to me because I like me some Pat Pete. Uh, which one was that? Uh, it was it was a tip it was a tipped interception where pretty much he you know tipped the ball up and was able to corral it back into his body. You know, just good, just good ball skills, good good hand eye coordination, good awareness. But this game pretty much. Kind of went the way I I wouldn't say expected, but it wasn't anything super crazy or off the charts. I feel like it's good to see Houston getting in a little bit of a rhythm with Tom Savage because you're kind of stuck with him at this point. And like you said, that offense is still able to produce when all the wheels are turning. You just don't have Deshaun Watson in the backfield forcing the wheels forward with his crazy athletics. <sighs> all right, let's talk about the thing that you want to make fun of me for. Hooray! Go on. Rip the Band-Aid off. Um, well, I'm going to start the Band-Aid peeling with uh, adding five to my little ticker. It's, uh, it's the Bills and the Chargers, you guys. So we're going to – I'm going to add five to my little ticker. Uh-huh. So we're up to 20 ticks, 26 interceptions due from Nathan Peterson. Peter excuse Man. me. Do from Nathan Peterman throwing five interceptions in a 54-24 to 24 loss between L.A. Chargers and Buffalo Bills. RJ, tell me how you feel. Yo, that's a lot of interceptions to throw, Nathan Peterman. Hey, in what time period did he throw them? Uh, the first half. In the first half. So. Holy I, shit. So. <laughs> Let's let's think about this. Tyrod Taylor gets benched at the end of the last game for a couple drives. Nathan Peterman comes in, goes seven for ten, scores a touchdown. You know, looks like he's going to be the fucking godsend. That's going to finally save Buffalo, take us to the playoffs. Uh, he, I think he throws for one fewer yard than he did this game. This game, he comes in, starts against the Chargers, who should have been a win. We should have won this game, and I think if Tyrod's playing, we're six and four. Uh, and I think if we're actually trying to compete for the playoffs, this was a terrible coaching decision to leave Peterman in for as long as you did and continue to allow him to do damage to his own team. So yeah. in the first quarter, Peterman throws as many interceptions as Tyrod has thrown all season. Uh, and then in the second quarter, he follows it up by throwing two more. <laughs> LaShawn looked pretty good. Oh, man. Shady looked great. I got like 17 points in my fantasy from him. I'm glad so. the rest of your team doesn't start for me. Oh. Uh, hey, let's let's look at some positives. 
Zay, Zay Jones, Jones yeah, <laughs> Zay Jones caught some stuff, and Not he a, didn't he didn't drop fifty percent of the balls that got thrown his way. It's true. Looky there. So there's some positives. Uh-huh. Uh I don't know what the fuck happened to that big bad r- running defense that you were talking about having. Uh, well, that's kind of, of fell it, by the wayside over the past three it, weeks. Injuries have it, been kind of killing you, hasn't there? Part of it got traded to Jacksonville, and honestly, I think Matt Milano might be playing better than Ramon Humber, uh, at least since his injury. Because Matt Milano came in and got all those interceptions, but he was only playing because Humber got his thumb screwed up and was right. out for a couple of weeks. So right. now Milano's on the bench a bunch again, and I honestly think that's hurting us at this point. Uh-huh. Because he was in there making a bunch of plays and getting a bunch of tackles and being all over the place. Sure. Uh, and I think he was like our fifth-round draft pick this year. So he's been doing a bunch for us. Um, but he's not playing nearly as much. Uh, what else happened? Kelvin Benjamin got injured. That's pretty cool. Hell yeah. I missed the first couple of minutes because I was picking up a pizza. I came downstairs and Kelvin Benjamin was injured. So I'm glad I got to <laughs> see him play for us this season. For literally like a single drive? like it No, was only like- for like the amount of time where he was already riding on the cart but before they made it to the tunnel. Oh, nice. So, so you pretty you missed his entire season with the Bills, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he got one. He got one reception. Yeah. You didn't even Charles, get to see that. Charles Clay caught three on four targets. So, you know he's he's playing better. Yep. Not, How much not of that was Tyrod? I don't know. All of it. it none of it. Tyrod. None of it matters. The Buffalo Bills are not going to the playoffs. <laughs> so, we still have to play the Patriots twice. Yeah. To see, to really see how everything was going in LA's favor and nothing was going in Buffalo's favor. Like at a certain point, when you're winning a football game, fifty something to twenty something, you start you put the backup quarterback in because you don't want Philip Rivers to get injured and you don't want anything bad to happen to your to your guy. And then the backup quarterback comes in and throws for a hundred percent for almost six yards in attempt because fuck it. At that point, we have bad cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, you've been saying that for a while. Also, they are bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not like Phillip Rivers lit it up in the air or anything. I mean, he had no, a You really, know how many points they scored off of those turnovers? Like, a all lot. All of them. Yeah, all of them. Like, at least 21 points, I think, by the time they had, like, their third or fourth turnover. Yeah, the uh, uh, I box think score... I, I, legit- I legitimately think we win this game, probably, with Tyrod in... Or it's a lot more competitive because you don't throw five fucking interceptions. Yeah, the box score is showing uh, several of those turnovers resulting in touchdowns. So good for them. It's a bad game. Our team is looking progressively worse. Uh, and I think we'll end up in the middle of the draft class right where we usually are. Uh, I think at this point we'll probably be 7-9. and nine. I think we probably still split with Miami. Uh, and we continue our our reign in mediocrity. But you still, we probably out- beat the Colts. Perf- we probably beat the Dolphins once, but that's probably st- it. And you still outperformed your expectations for the season. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> uh, I wonder. Like, I've never. Been, I need you to explain to me how you feel because I've never been in a position where I've had a team that's just like kicking ass and then like sh- completely shitting the bed. I've, I'm a Cleveland fan. Like, I haven't seen a season better than, I think, 
10 and 5 in almost two decades. It's like, it's, it's a yearly test of the anger management classes (laughs) because you're do or or it's like, you're not even, you're not even mad. You're just disappointed at this point (laughs) because it like, we've been so mediocre for so long. And at this point it's just, you know, it's not going to last. So you enjoy, like you have fun. And when it starts going downhill, you're like, Yep, I guess it's time to start watching the Sabres seriously this season. <laughs> That's usually what most people do. Sure. And then sure. guess what? What? The Sabres suck too. <laughs> it's nice. I like this feeling I'm having right now. Fucking goddamn it. I'm, I'm yeah, not yeah. alone. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm down here alone. in the basement with you, huh? Let's fucking, <laughs> let's fucking hang out and throw stuff. <laughs> Oh I'm man. Down. Oh man. We we had this great culture in Buffalo. It was so fucking awesome. And then, you know, let's put Peterman in and bench Tyrod. That totally won't fuck everything. God, what are you doing? What are you doing, <laughs> McDermott? You piece of shit. <laughs> do you do you think that he was Week 10, po- he- <laughs> angry RJ showed up. He's fucking mad about stuff again. Yeah, I've been trying to like poke it out of you like all like this entire <sighs> time talking about talking about the bills it was just like no i really need you to explain to me because you i've i've had my explosions on cleveland on this show we have yet to see what happens when rj gets upset about the bills it's about time we give the people what they want it's so they're so mediocre (laughs) like like lashawn mccoy has been doing shit all season, pretty much. And he finally goes for over 100 yards, gets a touchdown. And what do you have to back him up, back him up with? Not a goddamn thing. Injuries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good thing we traded for Calvin Benjamin. Oh, we were stacking up all these draft picks. And then we got this other guy who, I, again, I didn't think he was necessarily going to get injured, so I'm not mad about that. But then he gets injured. <laughs> and now I got to deal with this shit. Yeah, good, awesome. Yeah, that was everything I wanted it to be. Um, if you want, we can move on to Cincinnati-Denver. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. So, Cincinnati-Denver. They led 37-7 to at halftime. Oh, my God. No, keep going. If you're going to keep going, we're just going to roll with it. They should have just left Peterman in at that point. <laughs> just let they him should, just they see. They should have just, they're like, hey, what's up? Yeah, okay. See, Tyrod, how, see how far he can bury himself. Tyrod should have said, no, nah, dude, I'm good. No, you benched me. I don't want to play. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, what are we that gonna, would have been What are we going to do? Shit. Have TJ Yates fucking suit up? Like, right. Like, oh, yeah, TJ, get in there, Chief. Yeah. All those oh, reps yeah. you've had with the ones, I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> Tyrod's just like, oh, now you need me. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You, re- you ready for Denver and Cincinnati? I guess. Okay. All right. We'll move on before you have an uh, aneurysm over there. I'm so, angry. I, I, dude, and I understand. Animated. I understand. You're preaching to the choir, dude. Ugh. It's just, it's just nice to hear on this side of the microphone. <laughs> so the uh, Cincinnati Denver game was really boring, and Brock Osweiler still sucks. So that's good. Battle of slightly underwhelming quarterbacks, though. Andy Dalton still managed to put up three touchdowns, and Brock Osweiler managed to put up ding one on the board. Yeah, twenty-seven, and that one once again in the red zone. Not only was it in the red zone, it was ran back 102 yards for a touchdown. 
Yep. Literally, the only reason Cincinnati won is because Brock Osweiler is trash. And that is undisputable. We have uh, the no, facts okay. to prove it. Okay, that one actually wasn't run all the way back for a touchdown. Oh, he they tripped stopped. him up. He got stopped at the half-yard line. Also, at one point during the return, he, like, randomly fumbles it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, out of nowhere, I'm like, what do you do? Like, how do you lose concentration like that? Uh, Just easily, I guess. spasm. Just trash person. <laughs> I don't know about a trash person. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, then the ba- the Bengals did also have a block on a 61-yard field goal attempt by the Broncos mm-hmm. at the end of the first half. Yeah, and that's and that's just going to happen. When when you're kicking from that far out, the trajectory is so low, and you have to put so much yeah. ass underneath it. Like, oh, you could, you could stick a pinky up and probably block one of those kicks. There's that would, more. That would probably hurt a lot. Oh, yeah, I mean, your pinky would probably f- fall apart. That being said... There were there was technically three points that Denver left on the board. With that also being said, Cincinnati only left one point on the board. So if everybody got all their Boyd points back, it would be twenty-one to twenty. So Denver still sucks. Well said. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the end of that. I mean, they're starting Paxton Lynch next week. Like they broke the news today, they're starting Paxton Lynch. They're done with the Brock Osweiler experience. Like, oh, are they? Yeah, they're done. They're, they're like, all right, three games was enough. We're done here. Nothing, nothing crazy to note. Everybody pretty much had their average outing cj anderson still looks underwhelming joe mixon still looks underwhelming aj green underperformed and emmanuel sanders had a very tame day with a lot of wayward passes and that's unfortunate like the one thing i can say is the denver's receiving core the one thing that's very unfortunate is a lot of that that receptions to target ratio is super skewed because brock osweiler was throwing the ball all over the fucking place so at least they got that to fall back on well i was targeted eight times and only had two catches because brock osweiler's a butt I'm not. I'm not bitter. I'm just saying we're paying him twelve million dollars to be shitty on another team. As long as he's shitty on another team, I'll deal. And now, if we talked about a game between, say, the Patriots and the Raiders, it would probably sound a little something like this: Tom Brady's to go. Uh, Derek Carr uh, throws it a lot and completes it some of the times. And Tom when Brady. he doesn't, one of those to- one of those times it gets put on the board. <laughs> Ding. 28. Tom Brady, on the other hand, throws it not as a lot, but still a lot, and completes it a lot more than most. <laughs> At least most this week. God, this is going so poorly all of a sudden. Yeah, Tom Brady is continues to be accurate and get yardage and throw touchdowns. I think I'm starting to warm up to Tom Brady. No. You're not no, I no, I am because so Brandon I, Cooks had uh, 149 no, no, yards no, no, on six no, receptions. No, no. Bad, don't do that. We need to talk about this, RJ. Okay, you, because let me let me let me start. Um, you're wrong, <laughs> but he now you go. <laughs> um, but he's good. Okay. I'm warming up to him. I like to watch the old fucker play. Look, man, if you could tell me a 40-year-old fucking can go out there and complete 30 passes on fucking 340 yards and three touchdowns on a actual professional defense, I would call you crazy. And at the beginning of the season, we had a very distinct conversation about does Tom Brady look old, and I defended him because he doesn't. And in defending him, he I've got a soft spot for him now. Yeah, it's the fucking top of your head, and I'm going to poke it. <laughs> well, that's that's rude. Yeah, well, 
Angry RJ is here. Ah. <laughs> I like angry RJ. So Tom Brady continued to do well. Mar- Dude, what's up with Marshawn Lynch this season? I don't know, man. His average was good, but they were just playing from behind for so long. Yeah. yeah they're not gonna. They're not gonna let him keep doing his thing when they got to make up so many points. Yo, they scored eight. Yeah. Yeah, they did. <laughs> that's, uh, not, that's not enough. Nope. Not enough at all. Like, I don't even know why. Like, why did they even bother going for the two-point conversion? It was yeah. literally the final quarter. Yeah, maybe they were going to do that three more times, and then they'd only be a point behind. Right. <laughs> sure. You know, like, their kicker, their place kicker didn't even get to do anything. Got to collect that paycheck still. Uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he still handled kickoffs, but... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a huge amount to say about this game. It's pretty much New England continuing their role towards the postseason. Mm-hmm. And Oakland continuing to prove that they are not who we thought they were going to be going into this season. Yeah, the most interesting part of the game was the fact that it was played in Mexico, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so we got two two mo two mo games two mo games to talk two about two mo games two mo games. Uh, do, 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 let's do, do, do. I guess quickly talk about the Eagles and the Cowboys because I don't feel like there's a huge amount to say yep. that hasn't been said so far this season because man are they basically doing the same thing but now with Jay Ajahi. Yep. And yeah, now they can spread the ball to another running back that's very talented. Yeah. Um. Yeah, defense totally kept the game out of reach for Dallas. They couldn't score worth shit. Also, on that note, ding, 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 we got three more. We're up to 31. Uh, Dak Prescott probably had the worst game of his career against one of the best second one of the better secondaries in the league. And it's funny because Dak Prescott was heralded as you know one of the most efficient quarterbacks last season, and because he was, you know, he he broke the rookie record for most consecutive pass attempts without throwing a pick. Boy, Nathan Peterman will never do that. <laughs> no, we're 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 well past that for his career. But man, that's some bad football on Dallas's side and some good defense on Philly's side. Carson Wentz still not doing a whole bunch to impress me. Just over fifty percent, one hundred and sixty yards and two touchdowns. Those two touchdowns were set up on short field. I watched the game, so um, next time one of my Philly friends say, "Hey, don't talk to me anymore," it's just like you wait, motherfucker. You wait until Philly has to play an actual defense, and then they're just like defensing each other for a six to six game, and it's gonna be boring and dumb. But I can't I, take anything away from them. I look forward to the tears. Yeah. <laughs> God. And just and, I hope, the, and the salt. Yeah, I hope Philly gets knocked out in the divisional round just to shut people up. <laughs> Because they're going to go to the playoffs. Like, that's just a thing that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, at this at this <laughs> point. Yeah. You know, they're the closest the closest team to them in their division, is, they just beat 37-9. to nine. So, It would know. be difficult I, for someone to I, catch them. I don't want to sound like I'm rooting against Philly, but every week I can't help but shit on them because they're not doing anything to impress me. They had one game, one game where I was like, hey, this is the Philly I wanted to see, and now they're back to the same old shit where, like, if you have to if – if there is a game where they have to put the game on Carson Wentz's shoulders, he's going to fucking blow it. He did it last season. He's going to do it this season. Until you prove me otherwise, I'm going to keep saying that. And mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, when he started to unravel last season was when the defense couldn't support him anymore, and he had to bear more of the weight during the football game. This year, they happened to stay healthy up to this point in the season. 
So he doesn't have to do that. But the moment a team puts them in a position where they have to do that, it's going to be a totally different Philadelphia Eagles. And, I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Fortunately for the Eagles, they still benefit from that weak-ass fucking schedule. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles don't play a Patriots or a Saints or a Falcons. Mm-hmm. You know, they played the Cardinals, uh, who, you know, have Larry Fitzgerald, and they played the Panthers, who at the time had Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funchess. Yeah. You know, they played the Giants when the Giants still had wide receivers, but the Giants game and the Panthers game were both really close. Mm-hmm. Also. So. When they played yeah. Phillip Rivers, they only won by two. So, yeah. And but, Phillip Rivers don't got no weapons. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I hear what you're saying. Also, uh, it, you know, what I'm saying just there is being a little harsh. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, like like I said, I'm not trying to shit on Philly and take away what they have done from them based off of one simple fact, but the fact still remains. You know, I I think more of I think more of it frustrates me is because Philly literally has the worst fans. I think, well, I think the way that I will put it is they're winning, and I recognize that, but I'm not going to, like, say that I'm impressed by it. Yeah. I, rec- I recognize it, but it's not blowing my mind. Yeah. You know, they don't seem unstoppable. Yeah, that defense seems pretty fucking insane, but the rest of the team, I mean, it's it's football. Everyone's yeah. professional. Everyone's playing at the same level. Like I said, I think it's more of the fans. The fans fucking piss me off. <laughs> No, you see, we're fucking nine and one. Fly, you go stop. It's like, oh yeah, well, I'm the only team in the league with a perfect record, so suck it. I'm not bitter. On that note, I think we, I think we go from one bird, uh, a bird in the nest is worth two on the west coast. Two on the Monday game. Yeah. Yeah. A bird on Sunday night is worth two on Monday. So, <laughs> Christ. All right, stop. Okay, that's that's the one that's going in. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, first off, ding. Falcons, Falcon Seahawks. Yeah, let me let me add my ding. Get the, get I got, the ding I got, on. Yep, I got my final tally. Final tally. How many interceptions did we have thrown this week? 32 interceptions. That's a lot. Yep. If you take those 32 interceptions, that means that on average, each each game had two interceptions a game. It's actually slightly more than that, right? Because we had four teams with bye weeks, so there's actually only 14 games. Yeah, so yeah, slightly above that. Protect the ball, assholes. Now, to be fair, a lot of that was contributed by uh, Nathan Peterman. I, I mean, only like... If you, if, if you take five away, we dip back down to that one and a half kind of average, which is pretty typical. Listen, I'm not <laughs> happy about it either, so... <laughs> Let's talk about the Seahawks and the Falcons. Okay. I won't make you relive that nightmare. Yeah. I pretty much only call it like the second half of this, but damn, was that a football game. Yeah, no, this is what I expected from these two teams, totally. Uh, Matt Ryan... Falcons offense, they're struggling, dude. They're struggling. Uh, Julio still got his. Like like he do. Yeah, uh, no touchdowns. and uh, But, he, I mean, he was over-targeted. But it's Julio. Just put it near him, and he'll 
make at least a valiant effort. But defensive touchdowns, important for Atlanta. That's pretty much what kept them in the game because Russell Wilson was doing some Russell Wilson-ass shit. Throwing the ball over damn place, running for 86 yards, you know, and taking one in for himself plus two passing touchdowns, you know, had a had an interception that turned out to be pretty costly. But Blair Walsh is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it was a long field goal. Totally. I understand. Right. And we're, ta- we're talking about the loss right at the end. Yeah, the the very end of the game, it was a, you know, 34-31 obviously and uh, Seattle had, Seattle had just snuck into field goal range. And it would have pushed the game into overtime at that point. Yeah. It was pretty much the, this is the last play of the game, field goal, no fucking pressure. And he short dicks it. Like, it was fucking perfect right down the middle. He just short dicked it. and like two uh, yards. Yeah. It just, just like a yard short of the crossbar. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. That's twice this week. <laughs> yep. Um, I was watching Seattle, and honestly, what I saw this week was I saw the Bills uh, Seattle was missing uh, Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor mm-hmm. uh, out of the Legion of Boom. Um, so basically they looked like a relatively mediocre secondary who could like show up when the ball got there but not necessarily break up passes. And yeah. then they had a mobile quarterback who kind of mm-hmm. completed some stuff but not a huge amount and a running game that sort of worked. And I was like, wow, I've, I've watched this game yesterday at 4 <laughs> o'clock in slightly different uniforms. Uh, but, yeah, like, you know, Seattle ever since the Super Bowl has slowly lost a couple pieces, and now, you know, several members of the Legion of Boom were hurt. Uh, again, Richard Sherman, for his first game of his career after 99 yeah. consecutive starts. That's impressive. Uh, out with an injury. Yeah. So hats, hats off to him. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. uh, eventually Atlanta scraped mm. it together and won it. Yeah, like and literally just scraped. Like that's a good that's a good analogy is a uh, or a good phrasing. Uh I mean Matt Ryan was efficient, but the the offense wasn't wasn't moving at the same pace that we're used to seeing Atlanta, especially from Atlanta from last year. Like this is it's an interesting Atlanta Falcons to watch, but I mean, we could still see that crazy turnaround they had last year that took them to the fucking Super Bowl. And you know, we've seen this before with Atlanta, and that's why we can't discredit them. But it was sir, it was an interesting game. It really was for me, uh, you, especially interesting when you look at you know the defensive box score. And Russell Wilson had two solo tackles. Uh, yeah, which I find hilarious. Mm. <laughs> It's it's not to discredit Russell Wilson or the Seahawks going into that game. Russell was six and zero on Monday night, and he damn sure at the end of that game looked like he was about to make it seven, or yeah. at least give it you know one more shot in overtime. But oh yeah, it just didn't quite come together for him. Russell Wilson, as long as they have Russell Wilson on that team, they will stay at least relevant. Maybe not competitive, but they'll stay relevant. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson has really proved himself over the past two years of really being the linchpin on Seattle. Just not the Marshawn linchpin. Just not. <laughs> no, they got rid of that one. Okay, uh, I think that wraps up us just going over games. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? Anything we want to dive deeper into? Um, news in the NFL currently right now is kind of 
boring. Okay, but, so let's talk about LeVar Ball versus Donald Trump. Yeah, let's talk about that because that was hilarious. <laughs> so um, I officially love LeVar Ball. I, he's, and, he's getting some points in my book. I don't I like – but he doesn't get a pass for his fucking antics. But yeah, okay. All right, I I don't excuse yeah. them. They're funny to look at. They're not yeah. excusable. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I can get down with that. Um for e- explain the situation for people that don't know. Oh, so um God, who was it? LaMelo LiAngelo. LiAngelo. LiAngelo Ball, uh one of the Ball brothers. Uh, son of LeVar Ball, uh, plays for UCLA, and they were in China doing some tournament or camp or something. Uh, and him and a couple of guys got caught shoplifting sunglasses from a convenience store or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got thrown into Chinese jail, uh, which is probably not a very fun place to be. Probably uh, not. While Donald Trump was in uh, China during his re- recent Asia tour, um, he went and, you know, talked to the Chinese president and said, hey, let him out. Why don't you? And the guy was like, OK, sure, because why not? Uh, and then basically they got back to the U.S. Uh, safe and sound. And then Donald Trump says, uh, do, you know, I, I got them out. Do you think anybody will thank me or do you think they will thank me? And basically LeVar Ball came back and was like, Donald Trump, who? <laughs> and the number one way to diss Donald Trump is to act like you don't know that he exists. Right. Oh, it's the best. And then, like, so Donald or LeVar Ball continues to go on CNN. Uh, he goes on CNN for an interview. And. Never lost. Yeah, it's funny as shit because he's, like, arguing with the, like, host of, like, when it's appropriate for, like, the host to thank LeVar Ball for being on the show. <laughs> and he's just like, why don't you thank, why don't you thank me now? Like, I, I just want you to say, Mr. LeVar Ball, thank you for being on the show. And, and then, um, and then, like, at the end of the, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the interview, he's like, you know, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving and I want y'all to tell Donald Trump something. And everybody like gets really quiet. And he's like, I want you to tell him, have a great Thanksgiving, because Big Baller Brand is. And then that was like the end of it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, that this is this is great. He's just trolling for free publicity. Like, he's <laughs> doing the Trump. Right. <laughs> also, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen uh, Kenan Thompson's LeVar Ball on Saturday Night Live, it's amazing. And there's, you should. There's two of them now. Yep. Um, and they're great. <laughs> they're named, I haven't watched the second one yet. I'm going to do that. R- Rhinoceros horn. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Never lost. Anyway. Never lost. <laughs> speaking of never losing, uh, this has been, I think, we got anything else we want to talk about before I spin out of control here? No, I think we good. Never lost. Never lost. Okay, so I guess as far as this goes, this has been this week's Fourth and Wrong podcast uh, for November the 21st, 2017. Uh, Say goodbye, Keith. Goodbye, Keith.
Uh, say goodbye, Keith. I like nipples. <sighs> goodbye, Keith. There we go. Just cut it in.